Disclosure, the information in this podcast is educational and general in nature and does not take into consideration the listener's personal circumstances. Therefore, any and all information presented in this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for specific individualized financial, legal, or tax advice. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making any decision. What's up, everyone? Ben Keedy here with the Wealth Crypto Podcast again and have another great episode for you. This one is with Roy Hui. He does a couple of things in crypto, but he is the founder of Lightlink, which is an infrastructure layer two blockchain built on Ethereum. And it's purposefully built for the metaverse, NFT and gaming applications. And then he also has a consulting business called Peller Technology, where they consult on a variety of enterprise blockchain use cases. So I won't say too much more, but hope you enjoy. Thanks. And we're live. Roy, how you doing? Good. Thank you. How about yourself? Good. Good. It's uh, it's been a long day. I was up at like six today, worked all day, a couple podcasts, and (laughs) this will be the last thing I do. (laughs) Um, but yeah, maybe you can just give me and my listeners just a brief overview of you, you know, a little bit of your history, how you got into crypto and then, uh, the projects you're working on currently, and we can just go from there. Yeah, sure. Um, hi, my name is Roy Hui. Uh, I'm the CEO and founder of, uh, Lightlink, uh, network. We're a layer two blockchain. Um, got into, uh, the web three industry in 2017. Um, and we've been building Web3 blockchain solutions for the past six years. Um, I have a computer science background, uh, been in technology industry for 22 years, uh, done a lot of different things over uh, my time in the industry, um, you know, try to embrace the whole Web2 boom as um, the whole dot-com thing came and went. And uh, yeah, done, done a lot of over the years, uh, build social networks, uh, media companies, uh, e-commerce companies, and um, always been super fascinated about blockchain. Uh, when I saw Bitcoin initially in 2012, um, it's one of those technologies that I think will change our world. And uh, in, a, in a bit, it certainly has, right? Um, and we decided to pursue this in a full capacity in 2017. So, uh, yeah, been, been around for a while. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. And you've done quite a bit as well. What um, I mean, what what I guess is like a common thread and all that experience, like, you know, from, you know, media companies, social media, e-commerce, uh, all those things. Ultimately, you stumble into blockchain somehow. Uh, can you draw like a thread of commonality through all that or? Yeah, uh, certainly. Um, so it's all technology. We. Um, haven't really opened up uh, retail businesses or um, you know any manufacturing capabilities. It's all technology, right? And uh, in terms of aspect of technology, it's predominantly web uh, web based, user facing technology. So um, a customer would uh, interact with our technology, uh, and I, I think in our history. Um, we have probably interfaced, our technology has interfaced with millions and millions of people around the world. Um, yeah. They've either used one of our websites, uh, logged in using one of our credentials, 
uh, interface with one of our NFT collections or um, found value in a um, you know, piece of technology that we have created. So yeah, um, a lot of different things over the years, but uh, I think that technology we're facing, user facing, is that consistency. Okay. Okay. Cool. And as far as when you stumbled into Bitcoin back then, did you? What I mean, what was that? Did you see it through like a user experience, kind of like what you're just laying out? Like, did you buy pizza with it, or? Um, <laughs> Like what? How exact? Like where did you first actually find that? Uh, I can't remember. Um, back then, it was probably in the tech blog or a uh, you know a tech media or something. Probably like this week in tech or something like that, right? Sure. Um, so the um, from a tech community perspective, um, it was one of those industry trends. Then I started reading more into it, and um, it was just really fascinating. And that prompted me to look into the technology. And uh, then I realized it's a technology that uh, I haven't seen before. And um, traditional technologies or, you know, uh, you go to a website, you store in a database, you transmit information on the internet. You know, those technology and the concepts are fairly natural in terms of its evolution and this is this is something new right and it's as revolutionary uh and i thought at the time as revolutionary as the internet you know before oh. internet and after internet right like there, there was a big transition in a lot of different things right um sure. there was a also a uh fundamental shift with mobile computing um when i got my first iphone i, I, I was um blown away by um, how amazing this technology could be in 10, 20 years in the future. And now we are, right? Yeah. And, uh, when I saw the blockchain tech, and I go, wow, this is actually one of those things that um, we will probably experience in our lifetimes in, as a technical shift in uh, how our, our worlds will change. And um, largely it has. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's... Of most of the people I talk to, most are not computer science engineer builder types so it's it's actually really interesting to hear like hear your story that like you saw it and identified a, essentially a paradigm shift in how we leverage the internet um was it that immediate for you like when you started digging into the actual technology and how it works like did you could like could you begin to see the implications and like all the things that it could be used for um i was probably too optimistic. <laughs> uh, um, I thought um, it's just like the internet um, where this concept um, and mobile apps, right? Everybody started building mobile apps. Um, everybody started getting a smartphone or uh, all business started building um, websites uh, on the internet. I thought sure. it was uh, going to be one of those adoption, mass adoption uh, exercises. Um, and it took a while for that to happen. Um, but uh, I always thought uh, the technology is the infrastructure technology. It's yeah. ability to keep records, right, uh, in terms of in an immutable fashion. Um, and when you look at that capability alone, um, so all the important records in the world, I think, should use this technology because it's mathematically proven uh, your data is accurate and it hasn't been tampered with. And yeah. it's only certain people that can tamper this data. So that capability in terms of radical transparent 
um, radically permanent truth. And that was a technology that didn't exist before. And it's super cool, right? And then you think about implications, you know, uh, your identity, your marriage records, your birth records, your death records, your property ownership, your um, your lease agreement, your yeah. mortgage, you know, all the important records should use this technology. And I think that uh, even I'm still optimistic to go, uh, this eventually will be our future. Sure. Because the existing systems are uh, inadequate to perform that task in terms of um, providing truth. Um, it's We just trust people to provide that truth for yeah. us, but the technology they use is inadequate for that purpose. Um, so I think eventually we'll get there, but it's taken a while. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, maybe to fast forward a little bit. So it, it, it's been a while, right, since 2012. Mm-hmm. Um what uh i guess maybe the fast version of that journey to what you're up to today like um you know i looked at peller looked at lightlink and a couple of things that you're up to like it looks like you're doing quite a bit um maybe walk me through sort of the evolution of your thinking from you know here's bitcoin to what you're doing now um yeah um i always thought uh the technology in the infrastructure technology that you can build on top of um, so that's always been a consistent view. And um, one of the first applications of this uh, technology is money, uh, which is yeah. super fascinating. Right? <laughs> yeah. um, and the definition of money and uh, the value it's able to add to a society and uh, you know all the characteristics of uh, this technology. So um, we have been looking at how do we use this technology to benefit um you know people around us uh, whether if it's a organization that's uh trying to add more efficiency to cut to its current payment system or um capture better loyalty um records or um build a better membership base so um providing enterprise solutions was uh the initial concept um and we try to do things outside of the crypto industry, in supply chain, in manufacturing, in education, you know, um, try to be a uh, leader um, and a front runner to where I thought the industry was going to go. Yeah. But then uh, uh, throughout the uh, years, getting getting pulled back by the crypto industry. Oh. And yeah, it's, um, it's been fascinating uh, and um, highly um ups and downs at the same time right um so um yeah over the years just built lots of different things in both uh now it, it's clear to have this fungible world and no fungible world um because before we were trying to do heaps of no fungible things in the fungible world and that was really difficult but now with that clarity to go you can actually uh view this blockchain world technology from two parts one is a ledger-based system and that could be you know, your experience points, your score, your money, uh, your, you know, uh, the levels that you have, uh, you're able to accomplish in a video game, you know, the fungible tech to non-fungible tech, which is, you know, your identity, your assets, uh, the digital collectibles that you own. And uh, by having this mindset, you uh, you build different solutions on top of, you know, these uh, ideas. Could be digital wallets, asset tokenization systems, exchanges, or it could be, you know, um, 
your gaming profile, uh, your gaming data, um, so on and so forth, right? So we've just been building a lot of those technology. And then um, we found uh, inadequacies with uh, the enterprise blockchains as well as layer one. So when layer two concepts came around, um, I was like, hey, actually, there's a middle ground between the two. <clears throat> um, in terms of uh, lack of transparency or uh, interconnectivity for uh, enterprise blockchains and um, the cost and latency issues with layer ones, so the layer twos were some, something in the middle. And we go, hey, we actually have an enterprise solution with a reconfigure that into a layer two, and uh, that became uh, Lightlink. And that's where we spend substantial amount of our effort uh, in today to grow and scale Lightlink. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, all those examples that you walked through, fungible, non-fungible, money, you know, identity, uh, levels in a video game, all that stuff. Um, there, there's a lot there, right? So like uh, perusing, you know, your Lightlink website and then also what you do with Peller too. Um you touch like a variety of use cases for these things. So actually, maybe let me rewind and then I'll ask this, but maybe just summarize real quick what your companies do today. And then uh, I'll follow up with uh, the question that I was going to ask. Sure. Uh, so Lightlink is a layer two blockchain with an enterprise mode. Um, it's infrastructure. It's a yeah. uh, it's a blockchain, right? It's uh, EVM um, and therefore... You can reuse a lot of the technology and code and developer learning on the on the chain. Uh, it has a enterprise capability, so um, you can have more predictable, more certain, uh, a better user experience uh, when a enterprise mode is engaged. Uh, so that's slightly it's infrastructure. Um, Teller um, is the solutions uh, capability. So we build um, solutions on top of blockchains. And uh, if you view the infrastructure, you know, when you talk to a business, typically they don't know what to do with the infrastructure. What am I going to do with the blockchain? <laughs> yeah. But because they, they have a problem to solve, right? It might yeah. be a payments problem. It might be a loyalty problem or, you know, whatever. That's where Pelo comes in to try to understand how we can add value um, and create value together. Um, it might be, hey, let's build a digital wallet that helps you to do better payments, um, as an example. So that's sure. the two... Uh, place where we spent all of our time uh one's infrastructure one solutions okay yeah yeah i uh i mean my day job we do something very similar for financial services we provide the actual software capabilities and then we also provide a services solutions capabilities too so this makes total sense to me <laughs> yeah but uh i wanted to go back to all the different things that you do and all these different sort of verticals and use cases that people come to you with. So whether it's creating a wallet or creating better, better user experience to hear users, all that sort of stuff. How, uh, I mean, how do you get there? That seems like an incredible amount of knowledge to kind of have in your ecosystem. And uh, I imagine you get crazy requests from people saying, hey, can you do this? And you know, maybe the answer is yes or no, but um, I'm just curious how you got to kind of this point to be able to consult on such a broad array of sort of use cases. Yeah, uh, great question. Um, I think with a lot of difficulty is a short answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but also be able to think with a level of abstraction. I think that's an important element too. Um, 
when you talk about infrastructure, it's it's a chain, you know. Um, it has these capabilities, it has these features, uh, like many other chains. So from that perspective, it's um, very simple. You know, there's an RPC endpoint. You can point to it. You can deploy a smart contract. A smart contract will run how it runs in uh, any other EVM chains. So uh, from that perspective, um, it's it's as uh, it's whatever you want it to be because uh, it it's a piece of technology and uh, that that's interesting because I think that's the future of computing. Um, if we're looking at computing for our world, you know, it's it's a very large computer that sits on the internet. That's a, almost like a public utility anyone can use, and that's sort of really interesting in, in its own right. And then it's what do you do with this computation power? What do you do with that infrastructure? And that's also a level of abstraction, right? That um, I broke down before in terms of, hey, here are some fungible capabilities, here are some non-fungible capabilities. And that's the next level of abstraction. And when you talk about fungible uh, capabilities, uh, it's essentially a ledger. I have a ledger of, you know, X amount of tokens, X amount of points, X amount of, you know, um, dollars, as an example, yeah. um, for for something. It could be for a car, for a user, but it's the same thing. So when you uh, abstract away the use cases, the fundamentals are, there are a lot of similarities. And uh, it's the same cryptography, you know, it's the same technology that allows you to sign a transaction, submit it to the network, to broadcast the network, and that transaction becomes uh, uh, completed uh, by the network. So that's um, fungible technology. Non-fungible technology is similar to we have this standard largely defined by the industry. It represents something. It, it could represent a lot of different things, but uh, it's um, it's a standard. You Again, you have a, a user on, um, on one side. They might own a lot of di different digital collectibles, but the same concept could be applied to education. I'm a student a user and i have many different certifications uh oh, yeah. different yeah right like it's the same thing right uh it's just ability to connect the dots because we've seen a lot of different use cases um it could be uh these are different courses that i did in my education not necessarily my entire education so it could be applied to a school um so uh by essentially Shuffling these different tools and concepts, you can create different use cases for different industries. But when you abstract it down, um, there are some core fundamentals. You know, those are users, accounts, transactions, and that's about it. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you make it sound so simple. <laughs> um, but I guess you have been doing it for, what, 20 plus years or so. Um, yeah. So what are, like, for you guys right now, what are the use cases that you see that are intriguing to you like is it you know stable coins or zk proofs or like what like what are you guys consulting on that's interesting right now um we're in a um bear market right so <laughs> at the top of the market yeah. uh a couple of years ago um there were you know, every single larger brand would want to participate in this group, want to associate themselves with a digital collectible, with the future of uh, technology, want to participate in Web3. And that's uh, that was really interesting to see um, traditional companies want to 
um, align themselves with innovation, uh, with where the world is going or where, where the world is perceived to go. Um, but that was in the NFT market where, you know, in the whole ICO boom, uh, almost no larger business wanted to create token, right? That yeah, was well, uh, very different. Well, you had like large celebrities selling, you know, goes yeah. and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that has been very interesting to observe a couple of years ago. Um, and uh, in terms of other things that's are, uh, that are really interesting, I mean, um, real world applications are always very fascinating for me um, because um, having your own uh, digital tribe that's doing a very specialized thing is interesting. You know, um, sure. that, that could... That could exist in a certain world uh, in terms of, hey, selling um, animal pictures as JPEGs, right? And speculate yeah. on that, you know, um, that's interesting to a certain degree. But if we're able to apply to the wider world to hundreds of millions of users, that's where they become and have an impact to the world. That's when it becomes uh, a little bit more meaningful for, for from my perspective. So we're trying to see um, can the technology apply to um, a economy, a real economy, and can we do what value can we add to that economy? Um, is it a more transparent, a more uh, holding uh, different agencies more accountable? Uh, can we improve efficiencies through um, less transaction fees gets paid out to external parties um, and to add more programmatic money capabilities within this economy? Uh, to say, if this happens, then that happens uh, instead. Or, you know, th there are lots of implications of uh, this technology in the wider world. And I think that's where um, it excites me uh, the most. Interesting. Okay. You said a couple of things that I wanted to kind of touch on, but I did want to circle back to just kind of enterprises engaging with you and NFTs, you know, at the top of the market. Um my observer view is that, yeah, a lot of people were curious about the technology when it was popular, right? And then, you know, SBF, Terra Luna, um, what was it, Celsius? I forget the, the other one. But, you know, crypto had a huge black eye. People fell off. Um, do you notice, like, do you, I mean, I, I assume you probably saw like a drop in interest, but... Do you see like certain enterprises just actually doing good work and continuing to sort of figure out the application of the technology? Like, for example, financial services. I know JP Morgan, despite what Jamie Dimon says, is very interested in blockchain tech. Um, you know, Fidelity in uh, the United States has been involved in crypto since like 2013 or something very early. They were running their own uh mining rigs for bitcoin for a while um so i guess my point is some enterprises have stuck it out have you seen that in your business too um in a way yes uh from a general industry perspective right um supply chain um cbdc innovations um and, and I was actually talking to a uh, very large investment bank uh, yesterday, a um, couple of um, senior execs there, and they were saying, uh, this is the future of our industry. Um, and that's interesting to hear. That's great to hear. 
Um, yeah. So I believe it. I think many people believe it, but would it become true? <laughs> That's yeah. the. Um, in in some ways, you you kind of see um, the transition, just like automobiles to horses, right? Like to go, hey, this is radically transparent, and uh, it's programmatic, and um, there is an automated market maker algorithm deployed to a large computation network, and you can uh, trade from one asset to another without a third party, and that's absolutely amazing, right? Um, but there are huge um and back to your point there are huge enterprises in the middle of that equation servicing a need and providing value today right so if this decentralized autonomous technology is going to take off the enterprise customer is going to get displaced so it's not really in their interest to encourage that automated decentralized future because they would no longer exist so Right, like you, you can have a bank implementing banking capabilities as smart contract. You know, USDT as um, largely, you know, there, there are lots of illustrations of technology can exist in isolation without the organization. Yeah, like you have entire industries, like insurance, for example, can be done through peer-to-peer insurance implemented using a blockchain solution. So, is it? The interest of these enterprise customers to displace themselves. So, uh, and, and that's the classic innovator's dilemma, which, um, you know, uh, larger enterprises will face, but they will have to, uh, explore and adopt and experiment and potentially, uh, transition to a different type of business. Yeah. It's, uh, it's an interesting thought because like I, a lot of OG crypto would, probably prefer to be super decentralized peer-to-peer you know get rid of the banks entirely type thing um that probably is not going to happen at least you know in the united states um but you do kind of see this sort of at least from what i know decently well in financial services you see this like very real interest the last like year or so in what this stuff can do and it's just kind of interesting just to see the two kind of worlds and philosophies collide like um you know like ethereum public and permissionless and then you have like totally private permissioned enterprise blockchains built on ethereum like it's just it's it's interesting to see kind of how it's all come together now i guess yeah um it's interesting to observe observe um, we were experimenting the whole enterprise blockchain space. Uh, and one of the reasons why we decided to build Lightlink is because uh, it's almost like disconnected economies, right? Um, you can be in North Korea and don't trade with the world. And therefore, you are stuck where you are, right? Yeah. If you build an economy or uh, internal internal circulating, um, it, you're, you don't grow. and the um, I think when you use that uh, economy analogy, when one country trades with another um, and you specialize in what you do, um, and you have many different countries trade with each other, and all of these um, com- all, all of these countries and the economies can grow um, as a result. Um, and we have seen wealth um, 
and uh, economies around the world grow as a result through this you know cross-border trade. And uh, similarly with um, enterprise blockchains, when they're isolated, um, they can't lean into the innovation that is on Ethereum. They can't lean into the whole DeFi uh, space in you know trading, borrowing, lending, all kinds of really cool tech that's built. That's where uh, that's why we built a layer two to go. You might it's really cool to be here, but if you came to here in layer two environment, you can enjoy all of these benefits that's built by other people, which you don't have to build on yourself. Sure. Is uh for for like the enterprises you consult with, does that does that pitch make sense to them? Do they understand like why they would want to be sort of exposed to the periphery and where the innovation is? Um Yes and no. Uh, it depends on the applications, right? Um, but if you uh, if you have to pay for the cost of building an NFT marketplace, mm-hmm. uh, where uh, a NFT marketplace is already built, that um, the conversation is relatively simple, right? You can either build this yourself; it's going to take six months, and hundreds of thousands of dollars, or do you just use this thing that's already built because it's on the same chain and it just works. Yeah. Um, so I guess it's a uh, it's a decision that each organization needs to make. Uh, yeah. But uh, they will have their own unique circumstances. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> that's a that's a very good political way to kind of say it. You know, <laughs> if they want to, yeah, like you can do it. It'll yeah. cost you X. Okay. Great. All right. Well, I guess we're building another NFT marketplace. <laughs> yeah. Um, exactly. That's funny. Uh, I did. So I did kind of want to circle back. You touched on a, a buzzword that I'm always kind of in tune for um, pro- programmatic money and CBDC. Uh, what are your thoughts? Are you working on anything currently? Like, and then, you know, I guess the real question is, is like, how do you thread the needle from, you know, efficiencies of programmatic money to totalitarian nightmare? <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, Take that however you will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great question. Um, one one thing that you spoke about earlier in terms of the crypto uh, natives, um, the uh, I think the utopia um, crypto uh, founders, right, uh, had this vision of radical decentralization and radical independence. Um, I. I understand that's a vision, but um, we don't live in isolation. You know, yeah. we are a citizen of a jurisdiction that has a regulatory environment that captures a lot of the economic activity. And purely because you reside in this jurisdiction, you have to apply its laws, right? Like it's, yeah. uh, we, we, we're people living in places and we are um, doing real things. You know, we're going to real restaurants you know eating real food i mean you it's very difficult to live in the pure digital um that uh, utopian vision so uh purely because we have to touch the real economy and i think uh there has to be integration into the real economy there has to be um onboarding um you know and uh, bridging on and off you know and all those things into the real economy has to exist for this uh, industry to flourish. And I think you know from your um, financial uh, services experiences. Um, Now, um, in terms of CBDC, uh, there are, 
and short answer is yes, we are across a couple. Um, but these are highly political exercises that takes years, if not decades, to accomplish. Mm-hmm. Um, so for a smaller organization that's providing the technology capability, we're only a very small cog, a yeah. uh, component of the grander strategy, right? Even though some of these uh, strategies doesn't completely doesn't make sense or uh, or are very naive in understanding the technology, but you know we we're by no means designing uh, policies. Um, but um, and I think the opposite of this trend is um, something else. It's uh, Bitcoin as a currency, yeah. uh, Ethereum as a currency. If you're existing economy is struggling or uh, there are things uh, you can provide citizens with stability, then your citizens are going to look for alternative technology and they exist, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, a lot of people in this world now know the word Bitcoin. Uh, <laughs> two years ago, they didn't, right? Yeah. Like, or five years ago, it was relatively less. But because of the boom that we had a couple of years ago, more and more people know this asset uh, exist and uh, we also use USDT and USDC yeah I was talking to a gentleman yesterday and he uh, once he he also built a very popular uh, stable coin and it's really cool to uh, interact with people like that because those uh, technology um, is outside of the traditional concepts of CBDC um, yeah. We pay our suppliers using USDC, USDT, and yeah. um, it it doesn't um, participate in the same regulatory environment, a little bit uh, differently, at least. Um, now there are uh, other things like uh, the Chinese yuan, digital Chinese yuan. You know, it's a cool concept. Um, it uses blockchain as an infrastructure technology. You know, it's yeah. it's infrastructure. Yeah, and what you do with that uh, capability is entirely for the government to do. But uh, it's got characteristics um, in terms of it's radically transparent, it's programmatic, uh, and therefore you can um, you can see how party A has paid party B, and you know you can see the flow of money uh, really clearly. But there's also other technology out there that's um, all about privacy by default, and I think Vitalik is. Uh, um, a friend of mine sent me an article about Vitalik is uh, trying to implement total privacy on Ethereum, and um, and that's an interesting thing to read in terms of how, yeah. like, we can do uh, different parties transferring funds using uh, complete privacy. And I wonder what U.S. regulators would think about that. You know? They won't think much. <laughs> <laughs> Um, if I had to venture venture a guess, they probably would not think too much about that, but. I think, so like maybe a little history on me, like what drew me to Bitcoin as a story um, is what in, I generally view just profligate spending by our central bank. Um, say what you will. Uh, I just don't think that we can keep adding trillions of dollars every 18 months, 12 months, six months, quarter. Like eventually it's got to give. So, you know, hard money currency, hard cap. You know, can't just replicate it out of nowhere. Like as an alternative, I think that that's important. Um, and I think that story is ultimately probably going to 
be heard a lot more, right? Um, but I think the point about your point here of uh, essentially competition and like people having a choice, I think is incredibly important. Like a lot of people, like the stablecoin thing has been really popular recently, um, at least the people that I've been talking to. And uh, I had on um, the chief strategy officer, uh, Lisa Nestor at uh, AirTM. Air I don't know if you've ever heard of them, but they're basically a Web3 sort of interface where uh, international uh, sort of gig workers um, can get paid in USDC. So like if you're in Argentina and you're doing some, you know, contract engineering work for a US firm and you don't want to get paid in Argentinian pesos for obvious reasons, you can just get paid through this web interface using USDC and it's great, right? Like that's an option that didn't exist before. Um, so I think the point about just or what I'm assuming your point is just about more technology, more choice is generally just better. And it ultimately, I hope, will put sort of a uh, a lid on maybe some of the more totalitarian impulses that governments might have around instituting like a straight up, you know, CBDC. Um, so thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I, I think, yeah, uh, more choices um, is welcome. Um, but, um, choices are, uh, often can be taken away. So for example, um, OFAC, uh, tried to remove tornado cash, right? Yeah. And that's, uh, what I was referring to in terms of if there was a total privacy capability on Ethereum, what would the regulators think about, uh, allowing that capability to exist? Because we have to live in the real world. Yeah. Um, and, uh, Another point is money is largely digital already. You know, if oh, yeah. in the US that uh, you pay with your phone, you know, you use Apple Pay, Google Pay, and you go to a shop and buy a coffee. Yeah. You, there isn't a large um, fiat physical fiat exchange, right? So yeah. um, it's a it's a party that's doing something, but you don't actually know what technology they use, and it's okay. You know, and uh, a lot of the technology, infrastructure technology should fade into the background. Like, we don't know how video right now, almost in yeah. real time, is broadcasted. We just yeah. know it works, right? Yeah. We, we don't know how the packets are encoded, what kind of encryption it's using, or how many relays it goes through, right? So, I think uh, money will eventually be digital. And uh, in that digital world, um, blockchain esque type of technology using uh, ESCA deliberately because a lot of the DLTs are not uh, blocks. They're not fundamental you know, blockchain-based tech. So DLT-based tech is probably an efficient form of uh, implementation for mm-hmm. a digital money. Um, and that's actually another reason why we built a layer two is because um, if you're experimenting with a uh, technology for money, um, Layer ones like Ethereum, Polygon, Binance are great for um, proof of concepts. You know, you get uh, three, four people, you send money to each other, and each transaction costs a dollar, and it's fine. It's great as a proof of concept, but it doesn't scale to the entire population. Um, So you have to have almost different economic models, um, different architecture, different scaling solutions for you to implement a technology like that. And because we don't have that technology uh, as a layer two, um, 
the CBDC pilots, the um, the uh, central banks started exploring private blockchains, enterprise blockchains as yeah. a starting point years ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, it's I I am so interested just to see <laughs> where we end up. You know, um, it's it's been really like this journey with like the podcast alone of the last like two years, like it's been really interesting just to kind of see the ups and the downs and like where all this shakes out. It's, it's just a really interesting story, I guess. Like I was, I was too young for the creation of the internet and, or, I mean, I lived through it, but I wasn't like active in it, but uh, um, it's just, I guess, kind of cool to watch in a way. And you have, all these characters, you know, SBF being probably the most notorious. It looks like he got a hundred years, by the way. I don't know if you saw that, but um, yeah, it's going to be very fascinating to see how all of these dynamics play out over time. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I think any technology, when uh, you're at the inception of technology, like you said, the dot-com boom um, was an illustration of a hype cycle, right? Um, we saw and will continue to see new technology being developed, whether if it's AI or you know something else. There's always going to be um, participants in that industry um, that's doing good and that's doing bad. But yeah. I think um, crypto blockchain is one of those very unique industries where value uh, is so intertwined with technology, and that's when fraud happens, like uh, what happened with SPF. Yeah. Um, so yeah. it's a it's a very unique situation. Um, but I, I do think it's a fundamental humanity that the cat's out of the bag, right? Like that <laughs> this this tech is out of the bag. Yeah. Yeah. It it's uh it's happening one way or another. And I mean you, you touched on it a little bit. Arguably the more interesting story right now is AI too. I don't know if you guys think much about the intersection of AI and blockchains, but um do you have a thought on how those two technologies can support each other? Um, <clears throat> I, I've been thinking about this for a while. And uh, honestly, I don't have like the perfect answer. But I think um, AI to me is absolute abundance. Um, abundance in creativity, in, um, in data, in work, in output, right? Like uh, instead of um, spending hiring a content writer um, and spend six hours to write one article, you can have um, the same output in a matter of seconds. And over yeah. that, the same another time, you can have hundreds and hundreds of iterations of the same content. So there's absolute abundance of uh, productivity uh, using AI tech. But the value created um, is largely centralized and the control is largely centralized. Uh, within a few selected uh, smaller amount of companies. Uh, so they're going to do really well, um, but that value might not be shared with a larger economy. So um, it can improve the productivity of uh, the participants in this technology, where I think the complete opposite is crypto, is blockchain, where you have lack of abundance. So mm -hmm. if you look at Bitcoin as a... Um, alternative to money it's like you said it's um finite it's um precious and 
all those things. So it's the direct opposite. So can the two things work together? You know, uh, maybe there's a future where uh, you use this technology and then you have to be paid or rewarded using something else. And purely because they're all digital, uh, maybe there's room for them to work with each other and potentially um, the blockchain technology can uh, work outside of value as well. You know, instead of uh, distributional value, it could be used for authenticity um, to go, mm-hmm. hey, this video was actually produced by me. I did actually say those things and it's not just the AI that saying these things. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's, it'll be interesting to observe, observe and we're still in the early days. Yeah, you you kind of touched on one use case that I that I think that makes sense. Like obviously, deep fakes and AI, and you know all this like these Drake songs that are coming out that are not produced by Drake. Like um, it's an interesting kind of terrifying thought that like you could be made to appear to say anything, but then the solution is right there. Like you just you know have your digital identity that is yours and 100% yours all of a sudden all those deep fakes in the world like provided that people can you know see you know your verified status all of a sudden that's all over um it's you brought up an interesting point of abundance versus sort of scarcity and can the two sort of work together um i never thought about it like that Yeah, you you have um yeah, it, it's going to be an interesting few years. And I think um these are things that we haven't thought about last year. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like, mean literally GPT came out when? Uh basically like a year ago. Right, last year this time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so um there there are gonna be um more and more people thinking about these problems and potentially coming up with solutions and building them. And it, it would take a bit of time to build, even with ChatGPT's help, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see what time we were, about like maybe 10 minutes or so. What, uh, what, when you look forward, I guess, we've talked a lot about in the past, like what, what are you excited about, curious about moving forward? Like, um seems like you've had a pretty good pulse on what to work on over the years so i'd be curious to know like what what you're thinking about three five ten years out right um the scary thing is i don't know (laughs) (laughs) right um so i i did this exercise i think 20 years ago to go hey what would 10 years be in the future like and it, it was actually really clear to go hey we have this device in our pocket and it will have every single piece of media uh, that I need to consume, that I want to consume, right? Like uh, you have songs and videos and podcasts or, you know, uh, books, anything that can be digitized would be digitized and uh, it will be transmitted across the internet. It will be on a server somewhere. I can pull on that and I'll, there'll be some kind of financial attached to that. So you have Spotify, you have YouTube, you have Netflix. And it, it was actually very clear to see that. But tears in the future, man, like um, I don't know. Right, cars would be zooming around, driving by themselves. One one thing that I thought, if you were using a phone idea, um, and it, it's actually really scary to think about that. Um, to go, hey, it's actually a interface that uh, is open. There is no, there are no apps. There's no need for apps. There's no need for Spotify. 
you just go, hey, um, I'm bored. Give me something to entertain myself. And the music will play based on what your uh, tasting music is. Yeah. Uh, right. Your emotion is your physical um, state is observed by wearables. And then the music would adjust or complement your physical state. And the music that you're hearing is generated for you and not being uh, performed by a human. Interesting. Right? And they go, I, I'm now picking up the phone instead of you know listening to the music. I'm picking up the phone and there will be a video playing because I'm bored. I want to look at the video. And the video is a movie of the things that you want to watch or an uh, episode of something that you want to watch. And it's not produced by a human. Yeah, and uh, it's all generated just for you, and we can see that, right? Like we can see, I I can uh, you go to ChatGPT, give me a short story, and we'll just come up with any story, and you go, hey, let's make this character James, let's make that uh, character Ben, and yeah. then you know you will rewrite the story, right? So if we go on that tangent a little bit further, uh, you can see movies and uh, like all forms of media, all forms of content being produced on the fly for you and uniquely for you. Um, and that's probably, you know, uh, the first time it's ever been created because there's that absolute abundance, right? So yeah. what's the point of having an app that you can tap into the search for a song? You don't, you don't need that anymore. Yeah. So it's all into one simple, one single interface. And then in that world, would there be a value transfer? Maybe, you know, uh, some people need to get paid somewhere. You know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So maybe that's the scarcity, um, that's the technology we're working on today. Yeah, that's, I mean, you're kind of describing the metaverse, I guess, for like a gross analogy, but like the idea that everything is hyper-personalized, on-demand, literally, totally unique, first time ever. Um, I mean, to me, it doesn't seem unreasonable at all. Like, I could see that. Yeah. Like, no problem. <laughs> like one of one of yeah. my friends, uh, he's uh he's a financial services guy. Um he's creative in his own way, but he's not what you would say like a creative type, right? But he uh had just had a kid and didn't like any of the baby books that are out there for financial services, dads, entrepreneurial type stuff. So he opened up chat GPT, fed some prompts in, and it actually spit out some phenomenal sort of stories for, you know, whatever his prompts were. I was so shocked at that. Um, it doesn't seem like a huge leap to me that we live in that world sooner than later. The flip side of that is if we can kind of see that clearly coming down the road, I think maybe the more interesting question is what don't we see? Right. Like, what is that? I mean, like, you know, we, we can kind of see that clearly. I don't know if, you know, in the late 90s, people anticipated the iPhone, right? And like everything else that it can do now. Um, that kind of came out of left field. Um, so I'm curious, you know, 10 years from now, what didn't we see coming that is now sort of taken for granted? Like, of course we do it like that. Yeah, well, we don't know what we don't know. Yeah. Um, but uh, not many people think like that, right? Like in terms of the uh, scenario which we just spoke about, uh, it might be very obvious for you and I, but um, it's not obvious for many other people. Yeah. Um, so 
Um, and I'm sure there are many different businesses that's currently working on this today. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a, I think there's actually a Black Mirror episode of the most recent season where this girl uh, gets fired and then makes a huge scene. And then all of a sudden she turns on Netflix at night and it's, oh, yeah. it's her from earlier. And then it's just, you know, as she's freaking out, trying to figure out what's going on, Netflix keeps updating, somehow observing her breakdown. Right. Um, yeah. I know Black Mirror always hits so close to home. <laughs> so <laughs> too close. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we'll see i guess that, that'll be the beauty of it we're living through it so we'll see that, that, that was a great episode and i love the parallel realities in the book. yeah 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 that that one was pretty disturbing i think my all-time most disturbed was still the robot dog the boston dynamics robot dog that just hunted you down oh yeah 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 that that's too close to home as well yeah, that I mean, those robots actually exist now. Yeah, I well, yeah, no, I know. Um, if I ever want to get like freaked out, I'll just go check out what Boston Dynamics is doing. And these robots <laughs> are like doing parkour now. And uh, yeah, I mean, there's something we didn't cover like what happens when robotics gets good enough and you implant, you know, an AI in its head. Um, what happens then, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I've been watching um, this, um, Series, new series on Netflix called Pluto, um, okay. and it it actually addresses that. It's an anime thing. It's uh, super cool. Okay, um, I write that down. Pluto. I, I think Pluto. Yeah, um, Elon Musk is working on that uh, big robot uh, butler thing, isn't he? I have no, Elon works on a lot of things. I don't think I've heard of this one. Um, let me the see. Tesla robot. Let's see. And I think. Uh, um, here it is. Look at that. Tesla bot update, May 16, 23. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Um, just like, I think, refrigerators, uh, washing machines, microwaves, uh, yeah. cars has made a dramatic impact our world. Um, maybe robotics and AI could too. Probably oh until they take over. Yeah. Oh, my God. Like, uh, I'm a new father, too. We've got a six-month-old, and if we had a sort of babysitter nurse robot that could, yeah. you know, feed our kid, do all these things, like just the cost of childcare alone is um, substantial, you know, um, yeah. it's nuts. Like how much, like if luckily we're not in this position, but if we had to do like five days a week, so my wife and I could both work, you're looking at several thousand dollars a month. Easy. Probably three, four, maybe $5,000 just to take care of the kid five days a week. Um, it's insane. So a yeah. robot would help for sure. <laughs> Certainly. Maybe uh, it, it will accept payments and uh, conduct activities for you to offer services to others. And you can be sharing uh, the revenue that you generate. So maybe that's a yeah. token of some kind using uh, blockchain like Lightlight. Yeah, but then I mean, do you even have to pay a robot? You know, like I don't know. <laughs> it gets it gets squirrely, right? Um, yeah. It, I mean, if they have personalities, right, then probably want to lean that way. But if they're all the exact same, they only do so many things. Like who knows? Um, 
my daughter's world is going to be so different than ours. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My uh, my kids, when they were small, they go up to TV and they do this. Yeah. To zoom in. Yeah. Yeah. So that those doesn't, gestures and yeah, it doesn't work like that. <laughs> like it's just it a TV. Work like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's funny. She's already like zero. She at six months, I'm shocked. Like she sees us looking at our phone. She knows intuitively somehow that these things are like important, I guess, to us. And she's just curious. And, you know, that's that's fine. But it's just it's been really, I guess, humbling to just kind of watch uh, the world a little bit through her eyes. So. Yep. Yeah. So, um, well, cool. Right. Uh, let's see. Any last thoughts here, Roy? Or no? Um, thanks for inviting me to uh, have a great chat. Um, love to. It was great to tell you about the projects that we're working on, the technology vision that we have for the future, and how we view um, the industry as a whole. So, yeah, thanks for the opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. You're uh, welcome back anytime. So uh, we'll leave it there. Good night, everyone. <laughs> Thanks, Ben. Cheers. See ya.